Do you struggle with worry on a regular basis? Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chappell presents a biblical and practical strategy for overcoming anxiety. The Bible says there is none other name given under heaven, given among men whereby we must be saved. And that name is Jesus Christ. There is only one Savior that was born of the Virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit, and His name is Jesus Christ. There is no pluralistic way to heaven. There is one way to heaven, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. We all face obstacles, difficulties, trials, and heartaches. Without resilience, life can leave us feeling frustrated, discouraged, and disconnected. Thankfully, God created us with the capacity to overcome incredible tragedy or pain. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. In our series, Overcomers, Dr. Paul Chappell shares biblical stories of men and women who overcame their circumstances. Through today's study, you'll discover the fullness of God's resources to enable you to live as an overcomer. And now, here's Dr. Paul Chappell with part one of a message called overcoming doubt. It's going to be a great, great season here at church, but we know that it all really revolves around the person, the doctrine, and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us, we look back in history and we understand it fully now, but for Joseph and Mary, being the first recipients of this news, what an amazement it must have been to them. What an overwhelming sense they must have felt when they hear from Gabriel and the angel of the Lord concerning the work that he was doing really through their yielded lives. We know that Mary is told that she will bear the promised Messiah through a miraculous conception. Joseph is now hearing that news as well. Uh, And it really creates, as you have studied, no doubt, a dilemma in the heart and life of Joseph. Obviously, Mary is with child, and so logically that would imply that she had been unfaithful to Joseph. And most of you are aware that the betrothal period uh, in the life of a Jewish couple or the engagement was literally marriage. It was a marital commitment without the physical engagement together uh, in that sense. But they were to spend this time uh, separate physically but committed contractually in marriage. It was biblically binding, legally binding that they were for one another and they were to keep themselves only. Only uh, for one another until the day of their marriage ceremony. It was literally a valid marriage in the sense of commitment. And so in the midst of this season of commitment, Joseph hears this news. And the Bible says to us in this passage in verse 19 that Joseph, her husband, again, this was a legally binding marriage already, though they were in our vernacular engaged. The Bible says he was a just man and he was not willing to make her a public example. He was minded to put her away privily. And that gives us a little bit of the idea of the consternation that he would have felt within his heart. No doubt there would have been uh, many emotions, and we do not know all of them, perhaps hurt, uh, perhaps uh, shame, and perhaps even doubt. And men 
I want to speak to you this morning about this fact that sometime when the outlook is skewed and uh, we're not sure of exactly what God is doing, that God gives us many men in the Bible who handled things well. He shows us some who didn't handle things so well, but Joseph is one of those men that was totally yielded to God. He learned how to give something totally to God. How many of you men want to live a life totally yielded to God? I do. We can't say that we always do, but we're here in that pursuit together this morning. You see, what appears to be hopeless to man is often the very atmosphere in which God is about to do something miraculous and restore true hope to us. And during times like these, we must learn from men like Joseph. And so I want you to see three amazing characteristics, really three practical steps that will help us when you are sensing some uh, burden or some doubt or wondering about what God may be doing in your life. I want you to notice, first of all, that Joseph is a man who had patience to listen. He had patience to listen. And we find this in verse number 19 where the Bible says he was a just man. He was uh, willing, not willing to make her a public example. He was, uh, notice this, he was minded to put her away privily. I want you to notice the phrase here, minded. And I want you to notice also in verse 20 the phrase which says, while he thought on these things. Now Joseph pondered his circumstance. Joseph is not someone that just emotionally reacts. He doesn't just become angry. He doesn't start uh, trying to fix it himself. The Bible tells us that he pondered. The Bible says he was minded. That phrase means he was set in a particular frame. He was inclined. He was disposed to lean toward a certain course. He was really taking time to think it through. And then the Bible says there in verse 20 that he thought on these things. And man, may I challenge you, and it's been uh, a roller coaster of a few years for some folks, but may I challenge you this morning to wait on the Lord, to be mindful, to be patient, uh, to seek His face. May I say to you that things do not always uh, necessarily, uh, things are not always as they initially appear to be. Many times your first impression is not the right impression. And so we must learn to wait on the Lord. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And uh, we must learn during this season to take times, whether it's uh, in a recliner chair at home or a study desk or wherever you take quiet time, and to just simply wait on God. And to throw out before the Lord those concerns that you may have for family or career or whatever is facing you. And just be mindful and just take opportunity to think on these things in the light of the revelation of God. Here was a man who shows us how to contemplate, to think of what is the right thing. And he had many thoughts. He thought perhaps he would privately put her away. He didn't want perhaps to embarrass her. He was thinking this through. But Joseph was a pondering man. He pondered his circumstance. And then secondly, I want you to see that Joseph heard the revelation of God. Now, God 
is not going to be heard if we're full of anger and ranting and if we're uh, upset. Uh, we're not able to hear the Lord in that moment. But when you learn how to wait, when you learn how to ponder, when you learn what it means to contemplate, then the revelation of God can become a reality in your life. Notice in verse 20 it says, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. So it was during this time of pondering that God gave him the answer. Isn't that beautiful? Just taking time to consider and to wait on the Lord and God begins to minister to him. The Bible says the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. In this case, we're not hearing about Gabriel as we do in the sense of Mary and her hearing of this revelation, but this is the Lord himself appearing to Joseph and giving Joseph an assurance by way of a revelatory dream with respect to what he was doing in the life of Joseph and Mary. And what does he tell Joseph? He tells him in verse number 20 that a Savior would be born. He says, fear not to take uh, unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. God makes a clear declaration that what's going on here, Joseph, is way beyond your pay grade. This is way above what you could possibly comprehend. Joseph, there's something miraculous happening in your life and in Mary's life. And the virgin conception is what he hears about here. That that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Joseph, you don't need to put her away. You don't need to be embarrassed of her. There's not been any sin here. That which is going on is of me, God says. It's of the Holy Ghost. And here we see that this doctrine of the virgin birth is really the cornerstone of our faith. Because if Jesus is not born of the Holy Ghost, then the Christian faith is a sham. But if he is born of the Holy Ghost, then he had every right to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes unto the Father except by me. Because the virgin birth is the cornerstone doctrine of the Christian church. Hebrews 9 and 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot of God, purge your conscience from the dead works to serve the living God? Do you understand there is no way that the blood of Christ could purge sin unless Jesus was conceived of the Holy Ghost? If he was just the son of some man, then that blood would be the blood of the Adamic bloodline and could not be efficacious for the covering of sin. But Joseph is getting a glimpse into the eternality of God, the e eternal plan of salvation, and into the divine nature of the Son that Mary would bring into this world. And so we see there's an amazing, amazing truth that Joseph is hearing. There would be a Savior that is born. This will be the birthday of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Notice the second lesson he learns here is that a prophecy is being fulfilled. That this uh, great 
occasion is something that he had heard about before as a Jewish man, but was perhaps not expecting. Just like many people today are not expecting the rapture of the church. They're not expecting uh, that uh, the world is winding down and that Jesus is coming again. They're just buying and selling and getting gain and doing their thing and playing their little stock market game and playing their little side job and planning this and planning that. Very much indifferent toward the fact that Jesus could come in a moment's time. And, and when he comes, uh, it's going to catch some people by surprise. And Joseph was not anticipating the prophetic fulfillment of the coming of the Messiah. But the Bible did prophesy in Isaiah 7 and 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And so we see that a Savior would be born. A prophecy would be fulfilled. And then we, lear we learn from this that God would be with us. That Emmanuel, God with us, is what Joseph is about to experience. Isaiah 9, 6 says of Jesus that he would be the everlasting father and Jesus Christ is co-equal with God. And so uh, there is this amazing announcement that no doubt baffles Joseph's mind, but I'm thankful today that Joseph had patience to listen. I'm thankful that he was mindful. I'm thankful that he thought on these things. I'm thankful that he allowed God to speak to his heart. And so many men make emotional decisions, rash decisions, decisions that make sense perhaps uh, in one way economically, but not necessarily spiritually. And many times these decisions are made because there's not a pondering, there's not a seeking the face of God in the matter. And so because of Mary's purity and yieldedness, and because she was highly favored amongst women and because of her favor with God, then we have the Savior. But also, we have our Savior because of Joseph and what God used him to do as well from the standpoint of his support of Mary. So there is patience to listen. But then, not only men do we need to listen to God this morning, but then we need to trust him. Because even when you listen to God, that doesn't mean that everything makes sense. In fact, the Christian life is not going to make sense to us many times. In the Christian life, there are many paradoxes. The way up is down. The way to receive is to give. And so forth. And so, there will always come a place when we must trust God. We must trust to follow Him. Now, notice what we're following. First of all, we're following God's direction. That's what we want to follow. We're, we want to be men after God's own heart. And notice this in verse 24. The Bible says, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. After he hears all of this revelation in verse 23 about Emmanuel, about God with us, about the fulfillment of the prophecy, then the Bible tells us that Joseph did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. We see that here he had been bidden. Now this is what we refer to as the direction of God. 
he had been bidden, or this could mean assigned. He had been requested of God. Joseph, I want you to get with the program here. There's a great program happening here, and it is the program of redemption. It is the plan of redemption. It is the direction of God. And so now, with the verification of the Lord himself, Joseph does not hesitate to take Mary unto himself as his wife. Joseph did all of that in faith, and he did it in response to the revealed word of God for his life. And, and though he may not have understood everything about Emmanuel, God with us, and, and, uh, and what God was going to do through Mary, by faith he believed and thanked God for that faith. The scripture does not tell us that Joseph questioned what God said. Joseph uh, perhaps is now remembering some of the prophecies. Uh, he's now uh, putting two and two together. Whatever the case, we just know that he did what God had bidden him to do. And you know, the Lord will give you a sermon and he'll give you personal devotional time and he'll give you prayer time and he'll begin to piece some things together and you begin to see that God is working in your heart. But whatever uh, you are contemplating and whatever God is doing, always remember that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Joseph had heard from the Lord about this. And Joseph was willing to act in faith. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Uh, uh, because For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so Joseph displays this for us. And I say to you that if there was ever a man in world history who had to exercise great faith, it was Joseph. What would people say? What would people think? Uh, how, how would they? They had no idea that the angels and the shepherds would rejoice. They had no idea that wise men would come from afar to worship. They had no idea that kings like Herod would tremble at the presence of this little baby. They had no idea that hundreds and hundreds of millions of people would bow their knee and receive this Christ as their Savior. Joseph knew none of that. He knew one thing. God had spoken to him. We need men who will walk by faith like this. Men who will trust the Lord. He trusted in God's direction. He was willing to follow the word of God. But notice also, I believe Joseph trusted in God's sovereignty or he believed in God's sovereignty. Now just quickly, turn over to Luke chapter 2 if you would for a moment as we survey Joseph's life and we'll be looking at Luke 2 throughout this month but let's look at it this morning with the sovereignty of God in view and the Bible says here and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed everyone into his own city and Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, following the word of God is one thing. Following the word of God when circumstances beyond your control are swirling around you is another thing. In other words, it's easy to be a good Christian when there's a moral majority. It's easy to really follow God when most of the neighbors do too. Come on, somebody help me here, right? 
It's easy to be a Christian if there's a great moving of revival and all the TV shows are, are nice and there's not cursing and there's not a lot of wickedness and, and uh, it, it would be easier uh, to perhaps serve God uh, if the whole United States of America uh, consisted of, you know, a hundred pilgrims or something. But we've come a long way in America from those days. And what I'm saying to you this morning is that following God when there's a worldwide movement uh, many times uh, requires a very special faith. So what do we see here in his life? Notice first of all this worldwide tax. The Bible says in verse number one, there went out a decree that all the world should be taxed. Now Caesar Augustus, perhaps you've studied Caesar Augustus before, the emperor of Rome, the first to wear the purple robe of sole uh, rule over an empire. Caesar Augustus commanded 170,000 soldiers. Uh, they ruled the world. Uh, he maintained Roman roads all throughout uh, Italy and throughout much of the world. Uh, Augustus ruled uh, during a period of peace and prosperity called Pax Romana. It was a, a time when uh, Octavian had established that there would be security and economic prosperity. This was the world empire of the first century. This, this amazing, powerful empire is about to be used like a pair of pliers in the hand of God. God is going to use this entire movement of the empire to get Joseph where he wants Joseph to be. And one of the things he's going to use is taxes. Now, how many of you would say, wow, that really is a picture of God's sovereignty if he's going to use taxes to do anything good? Come on, somebody help me with that, right? <laughs> Here we see that God is going to use this move to tax the world. And the power to tax is the power to rule. And so it would appear, humanly speaking, that uh, God's word and Joseph's faith really were not aligning with Caesar Augustus. It would appear, it'd be like, well, God, if, if we're going to have a, a little baby, then we need to kind of hunker down and we need to buy a crib and make a crib and we need to get everything ready here in Nazareth because we've, we've got a baby coming any day now. And suddenly God allows a cyclone of events, if you will. And it is in those moments those cyclones, when we have to step back and say, Lord, I still believe your promise, but I just don't know how it's going to come to pass. This, this does not make sense to me. And yet God is about to use global taxation to get Mary and Joseph to the house of bread or to Bethlehem according to the prophecy. Can I ask you this question? How awesome is our God? And I tell you this morning that when you're in the midst of something that you don't understand, Something perhaps with your family, your health, your economy, the country. Please always be aware of the fact God is not sleeping on his throne. God reminds us that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And this global movement for God's purposes is something that will also be seen at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. That he is going to align power in such a way so as to prepare for the second coming. If you can imagine, as I believe this morning, that God used the Roman taxation system uh, to bring Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem, if God could do such a wonderful 
thing in his sovereignty. He's going to be doing a lot of moving, ladies and gentlemen, to prepare for the coming of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the second time. And what we have seen during the pandemic has been a precursor to these global movements and a precursor uh, to what is yet to come. Now, we could go on and on with this, but what I want you to realize is that the same Roman government that moved in this massive way to bring about the purpose of God in bringing his son the first time will revive again and there will be a movement globally no doubt to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ before our Lord's coming kingdom there will be uh, an established final world governance something like that of Nimrod in the book of Genesis or of the Romans in the first century You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you're interested in watching Pastor Chappell preach live during a Lancaster Baptist Church service, you can now log on to lbclive.tv Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. Visit lancasterbaptist.org for a list of times and other services. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chappell serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chappell's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today, where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chappell's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchappell.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.